Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, Faith. So good to see you. How many are glad you came to church? Come on. It's a good day. Good day. Um, hey, I want, I, if you don't know Pastor Mark, but this is Pastor Mark, our missions pastor, our young adult pastor. He is, uh, he is deeply loved, and it's, uh, and it's great to be able to do ministry with people that, uh, that you trust with your life, and so grateful for you, Pastor Mark. And we're, we're, uh, we're continuing the series on churchology. Last week, we heard from Fred uh, Markert, who's a missiologist, one of the, the world-leading missiologists. And, uh, and so we wanted to continue, Pastor Mark and I wanted to continue kind of chatting about what does it mean to make Jesus famous on the earth. And so Pastor Mark is here as our missions pastor, and we're going to be sharing this message together. And I don't know if you know much about Pastor Mark or not, but Pastor Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a father of five with my yeah, wife Maritza. So that's pretty fun. On. That's great. And uh, I've been a, prior to coming here to faith, I was a missionary with YOM for 17 years. And uh, that was super fun. And I got, to, I got to minister in over 40 nations yeah, from the amazing. time I was 18 until now. Wow. wow. And uh, just a super huge joy. It's a joy of our families to share Christ and just share our lives with people around the mm-hmm. world. It's so much fun. What's, what has what is the nations taught you? I mean, 40 nations, that's a lot. Um, I've, I've had a privilege of being a little bit over 20. Ooh, and bro, so, you got some catching up to do. I know, I know, it's weak, it's super weak, I know. Um, uh, but the Lord didn't ask me, apparently he gave you my dream, so that's, that's great. Right. Thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> and I grew up saying I never wanted to be a missionary, that's what's funny. Yeah, I grew up saying I never wanted to be a pastor, so here we are today. So, um, so anyway, what, what did the nations teach you? Like when you were, when you were out there and you saw the, just the beautiful rainbow of God's ethnicity. I just made all that up, but it sounds really great. But anyway, what, what, it, what it's not in the notes. You're right. You know, I, I would say one of the biggest things I've learned from being out in the nations is this, is that the way we do church life here in America is not the only way. Hmm. And uh, it's actually very unique. The way we do church here is very different than our family across the world, where we tend to be way more, this may sound negative, but kind of institutional like right. a business, right, right. out there, it's very much family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just beautiful because yeah. there are disciples being made. The other thing that I've noticed in the nations is that um, people are hungry to find God. Hmm. They want to find People are searching for him in the nations. And we, we here in America, sometimes we think, oh, man, nobody wants God. And, you know, we don't even realize how blessed we are in this nation to have access to learn about his character and nature and come to a church and worship yeah, freely. Yeah. But, and people may not seem very hungry here, but out there in the nations, it is so clear that people are hungry for God. Yeah. So Mark, you mentioned the church and, and, uh, and how the church differs in different nations. And I think that's part of our, our desire, even through the series, is to truly allow Jesus, the founder of our church, to be the one who defines who we are who defines what we're about, who defines our purpose, our mission, and not only just us as a, as, a, as a group, but as a family and for you as individuals and for us together collectively. And I think I've really enjoyed kind of going on this journey and really asking the question, 
when we look at our church, um, are we the church that Jesus is building? Are we the church that, that we are, we're just asking Jesus to come and, and bless us so we can just do our own thing. That's not where we want to be. The no. church that Jesus is building is the church that is demolishing strongholds, demonic strongholds, bringing deliverance to the world. That's what the church that Jesus is building, that's what that looks like. And so we, uh, we, today we want to talk about what does it mean to be a church that is making Jesus famous. And there's a scripture out of the gospels that said that from, from this, the, the act of Jesus' ministry, he said his fame spread throughout Galilee. I believe it says Galilee, right? So it says throughout Galilee. And so that's our title is making Jesus famous. How do we allow his fame to spread? But uh, Pastor Mark, catch us up, recap us from last week. Sounds good. If you were here for last week, uh, Fred Markert was sharing and that message was on fire. I don't know, those of you who are here, I'm sure you are challenged by his perspective on the gospel. And not only that, just the, the awareness of what is happening or not happening in the nations. I mean, do you know that 70% of Christians in America don't even know that there are people that still don't have access to the gospel? They don't even know that. You know that because you were here last week and you got your face torn off by Fred, right? But so just for fun, though, we're going to do a little quiz. You guys like quizzes? How many nerds do we have in the audience? Yeah, I'm a nerd. So we've got, we've got a quiz here for you. We call it the missions quiz. And the majority of the information in here, the majority of the answers come directly from Fred's message last week. So I hope you were paying attention. And if you weren't here, you can repent after the service. That's totally fine. Okay, great. Question number one. True or false? The and don't answer because there is a prize involved. Don't answer out loud. So write this down write on a piece down. of paper Put it on your phone. or in your phone, okay? Fear the Lord now, okay? All right. The Bible has been translated at least partially into every language in the world. True or false? Write it down, write it down. Write it down. Don't say anything. We don't want to give your neighbor an advantage. All right, next question. How many unreached people groups are there in the world today? A, B, or C? C, B, or A? Write down your answer. Okay? All right, next question. What percentage of the world has no access to the gospel? A, B, C, or D? All right, you guys got it locked in? Next question. The least evangelized nation on the earth per capita is Iran, Honduras, or Turkey? A, B, or C? You guys got it? All right. Second to last question. American Christians give away 2% of their wealth, okay, to Christian causes. What percentage of this giving supports work amongst the unreached? A, B, or C, or D? Okay, next slide. All right. True or false? This one's, in, you know, meant to be just 50-50 chance here. Most missionaries are working among the unreached. True or false? Can they say something? Can they say it out loud? No. No. Just write it down. 
You could hear a pin drop in here. That's right. That's right. All right, let's, let's hit up these answers. All right, for question number one. True or false? False. There still are 1,670 languages remaining wow. that don't even have one scripture wow. in their language. All right, question number two. 6,825, and this makes up about 3.2 billion people. All right, question number three. 42% of the world has no access to the gospel. Being unreached, meaning they don't have a church planting movement, they don't have a missionary they could talk to, they don't even have a friend that could tell them about Jesus, and they may or may not have any access at all to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Next question for the answers here. Turkey. This one surprised me a lot. Over 80 million people live in Turkey, and there are about 18,000 known believers. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. All right. <clears throat> Next answer. 0.01% of Christian giving to Christian causes goes to work amongst the un unreached. That is not the case in our church, but that is the average across America. Mm. All right. And the final, true or false? False. The majority of missionaries are serving in already reached nations. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's see. How did you guys do? How many of you got all of these correct? All right. Good job. Good job. Wow. Okay. So there is a prize. You can get this monthly subscription for the next 12 months. Tasty snacks coming directly to your door. Now, here's what you have to do, though. And no cheating. You have to do this after the service. If you got it right, by the fear of the Lord, you know you got those answers right. You have to be the first person to go give your name, number, and email to my wife, Maritza, at the ticket counter out there after the service. After, after. I got you. And you didn't get them all right, did you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you'll do. If you can give your name and number and email to my Maritza out at the ticket counter, we will get you subscribed to an awesome snack pack with grilled crickets and That's great. It's all an kinds international. Of you guys are going to love it. It's going to be great for Thanksgiving coming up. So wonderful. thank you for yeah. humoring us. Yeah. yeah. These are important things for us to understand because if we think the majority of the world is reached, hmm. we will do very little to try to reach those who are unreached. Right. It's been said many times, there's actually a book called When Everything is Missions. And then the subtext is, then nothing is missions. That we need to understand the true state of the world mm -hmm. so that we can appropriately strategize and partner with God because churches do missions poorly because they think about missions poorly. Yeah. That's yeah. what they say in this book, and I yeah. agree. It's, it starts with how we think about God's mission and what's happening in the nations. Yeah. I, I also think the, the reality for, um, for churches is <clears throat> we... we we like ruts because ruts are comfortable because ruts are, are predictable. We know, we know our ditches, you know, just kind of like we just stay between the ditches. But what happens if, if actually the, the geography of where the, when and where the church is, is has changed and we keep doing things the same way we've always done it? Well, one, that's the, if, if you expect a different result, and we know that's the definition of insanity, just keep doing the same thing. So we recognize that the spiritual geography of the world, and we can all be honest, things are changing. Things are changing rapidly. Our, our nation's changing rapidly. Our community's changing rapidly. 
And so it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's all, it's all terrible, but what it does mean is that the church is called by God to adapt and be able to carry out our original call and mission from the church, which is to be the church that Jesus is building, which means that we have the heart of Jesus at the core of who we are. And That's so right. and so for us, we look at 42% is unreached. Well, what that means is, is our missionaries who've gone out generations before have done a great job. And so the question is now, what now? Yes. What actually, next? I don't know if you guys know this, but there have been three major mission movements in history where missionaries have gone out and seen huge advance of the gospel. Mm -hmm. We are praying for revival here, right? Amongst the reached, because we all have access to the gospel. And we are praying for an awakening in the nations through a fourth wave of missions. And we get to be a part of that. And here's the thing, we have a history as a church, as faith, of doing crazy, amazing things in the nations. And now it is time for us to set aside the status quo. Let's get in line with what Jesus is doing. And there's this quote that came to my mind when you were talking. It says, tradition is the living faith of those now dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of those now living. Read that again and everybody listen. One more time. Tradition, we want to honor the past. Tradition is the living faith of those now dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of those now living. When we worship the way things used to be, we will not be able to engage in the new thing that God is doing in a new way. Because I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but God does new things and new ways all the time. It's up to us to just keep up. Amen. And I think for us, we we need to understand that the the word mission too has a lot of different uh, emotions attached to it, depending on your generation, depending on um, how God has wired you actually as well. So the word mission is like a magnet, kind of attracts all this kind of stuff. And over time, as it it goes through, if you don't clear off the magnet, you, you, you actually lose sight of what the purpose of mission was was from the beginning and so today what we want to talk about is where did the need for missions actually begin where did it begin where did it start and I think because a lot of times we think that missions started in the New Testament well you know after the Jesus came he died rose again and the day of Pentecost then mission began no that's actually not that's not true the heart of God from the very beginning was actually, we're introduced to the term, or not the term, but the idea of mission out of Genesis chapter three. We all know this, that Adam and Eve, they were deceived by the serpent, they fell, and they they had rebelled from God, and they were at that point in need of being rescued. So we're talking Genesis three was where the need of mission was introduced. So how has that impacted where we are today? And the reason why we, we want to go all the way back is because we want us to understand that, that, that God's heart has been missions from the beginning. This isn't this new idea of missions. It's not right. this, this, you know, here's this great thought. Let's do this thing called missions. And then let's do it the way that somebody else did it. Or I read about in a book. That's why we as the church, and we should always be asking God, what, what are you doing now? And then how can I be a part of it? Because most of us, when you're speaking about traditionalism, most of us say, hey, God, will you bless what we're doing? Instead of, hey, God, we want to be a part of what you're blessing. 
We want to partner with what you're doing on the earth. Mm -hmm. and, the, and there is a spiritual shift that's requiring the church to respond differently in this hour and this time. And I believe that God is, is doing something in our midst. So this whole idea, where did the need of missions begin? It began Genesis 3. And we see as they walk through, and, and just for sake of time, we're not going to read it, but you can go back. It says, after they ate of the fruit, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves a covering. At that moment, think about this. They, were, they had been separated from God. They lost their relationship with God, their inheritance that was rightfully theirs. But here's the big deal. They, at that time, became orphaned from God. Though he was their father because of their rebellion, they chose to step outside of God's family. Now, does that make them not a part of God's family? No, it just means that they were outside of God's family. They chose to go their own way. They had, they had said, no, I, we're good. We don't need you, God. And because of sin, there was a chasm. And so you, we see the first utterance of, of God's heart in, in Genesis chapter 3. But this idea is that, that the, at the fall of man is where the need for mission began. So to answer the question, it's the, it's the fall of man. And from there, we have in Romans 5, it says this, sin entered the world through one man, death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Say all sinned. So this has, this kind of, it was like a ripple effect from, the, from Adam and Eve. It went, every human being from then on out was marked and stained with sin, meaning they were separated from God. So here we have this idea of now what? Now they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together to try to cover themselves. And it's interesting that, that when, when God asked, asked them uh, about, uh, about their location, they said, hey, we were, we're, we're naked and we hid from you. What's interesting is, but they had sewed fig leaves together. They had clothes. They were covered, but yet they still referred to themselves as naked, meaning this, that there was still a deep need in their hearts to be reconciled to God. And so this is the rebellion. This is the fall of man. This is where the state of the world is in. This is what Jesus rescued you from. And so after that, that instance, we see the heart of God for mission. Question number two, what is God's heart for missions? What is God's heart for mission? So, Mark, can you just speak to, for a moment, the heart of God from, from Genesis 3? Mm -hmm. Can yeah. you just speak on how, what's happening in the world? Because a lot of times we think mission is about doing. It's about creating opportunity. But for you and how you view it, what, what, how do you see it? Yeah, the way I look at it is the, the millennia-long mission of God has been to reveal his character and nature to the world. Why? So they know he's a good father, so they can enter into a relationship with him. That's why he sent Jesus. I love how Fred summarized the gospel last week, that it's the core of it is the nature and character of God, that his heart is for us, mm. that he always longs to bring people into his family. And we see in Genesis 3, 8, and 9, he asks the question, he says, where are you? Mm. Mm. Not because he didn't know where they were. Right. God knows everything. But he asked the question to let them know where they were and let them know that he knew that they were lost. 
Yeah, yeah. And he, that's his heart. He's always searching. We see it represented because Jesus said in the New Testament, he says, I came, one of the reasons he came was to reveal the Father. And we see him tell the parables like the Father's heart. He shows the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, that God goes after the one who is missing from the table. So that's, that's God's heart. So it's not that they were lost, but that they were lost from his family. So where are you is the question that God's like, how come you're not in my family anymore? Where are you? And for them, it was a moment of clarity. It was a moment that they, they, it, it brought them to the realization is we're naked. In other words, there's something, something that has separated us from being a part of your family. And so we need to understand God created humankind, you and me, not because he needed to, not because he was lonely. No, he was complete yeah, in he himself. Doesn't, he doesn't have an ego to strike. No, there's nothing about him. He's like, I, no, I need these people. No, he created us to be a family, so much so that he marked us with his image. So think, like, there is no other creation on earth that has marked with God's image. God had made the angels, the archangels, the, all the celestial beings, and he said, you know what, I'm going to make a people that's marked with me. When you look at my kids or when you look at your kids, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that says, oh, there's a, I see a little bit of Jason in, in him or her. I see a little bit of Cheryl or Grandma Lewis or Grandma King or, you know, Grandma. Wait, like, what is it? Because they're marked with our image. For us, friends, we are marked with the image of God, meaning you were designed to be a part of his family. And here in Genesis 3, they are no longer a part. They are lost from his family. They, they are separated from his family. So God need, did not, this, this is a reality, God did not need to make mankind for any other reason except he wanted to enjoy the work of his hands. And then he wanted the work of his hands, you and me, to enjoy our creator. That's, That's right. why we were created and designed. So he marked us. So the answer to this idea of, of where, or, or what is God's heart for missions is this. The answer is this. It's to restore those lost safely back into his family, That's which right. includes everyone, everyone that doesn't know him. Everybody. This is the reality. And I don't know if you guys, if you can just stop and think about this for a minute. There are literally people out there in the world today who absolutely deserve a place in God's family, mm -hmm. but they aren't yet a part of his family. God's actually asking, where are you? And yeah. from my observation, there are millions of people asking, where is he? Where's God? Mm. They're looking for him. Mm. And we need to be aware of the fact that there are individuals, like look at the person next to you. Imagine them in another country lost. Hmm. Wouldn't you care to find them? Now don't answer that if the answer is no. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that defeats the purpose of my example. Every person, and I know this is overly simplistic, but sometimes we forget the power of a, simpli a simple statement, and that is that everyone is valuable to God every single individual alive today. Like if we, if we were to sit down, if you were to sit down for dinner, and uh, let's just say you're, you're like you, Pastor Mark, you have five kids, 
beautiful, beautiful easy, kids. Easy to lose one. Once right, in a while. easy to lose one. And 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 so Mark sits down, and and uh, there's four kids there, but but not the fifth one. And and they're eating, and and someone says, "Hey, so and so's missing." And and you look around, you go, "Yeah, but we got four of them. We're fine. It's it's okay." Like that would not be your heart no. as a father. It would you would be like what? Depends which one's missing. And no, so and so, <laughs> just kidding. Right. So 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 if once the family realized, so think about it, so he's the father. Once the family realized, we've got a we've got a, a sibling. We've got a family member that's MIA. Right. Absolutely. Like you, you wouldn't be the only one to get up and and try to find the child. No. Everybody would just like, you wouldn't, like, like one of your sons would be like, well, just hang on, let me finish my steak. Like, they wouldn't do that. It'd be like, no. go and find the, the one who's missing. Yes, rapid that's, response. Rapid, that's the heart of God. And that's what we forget. We think, we think, we forget that God is a family man. Mm-hmm. He sits down at the table of his family and he, 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 he looks and he enjoys, but they all, you look around and you go, there's, a, there's someone missing. And the family responds to go and find that which was lost. This That's is true. the heart of God. He, his, his, the heart of mission is to restore the lost safely back into God's family. That is the heart. And I, I'll be honest with you, the church over, over the time has lost the urgency of the lost. Lost the urgency. There's all these great quotes and these great missionaries who, who were riddled with the urgency mm-hmm. to go get them. Get one more. One more for Jesus. One more back in the family. One more. And what they had, they had an idea that they were a part of God's family. In That's other right. words, they were given the responsibility of the Father to go and get, to go and reach, to go and seek and save that which was lost. And Absolutely. so here's, here's the question that God's asking. As he stands on the precipice of eternity, he's asking this. It's reverberating around the world. The same question he asked in the garden of Adam and Eve. He's asking, where are you? Mm-hmm. It's the question, where are you? Where are you? And it's in the moment, just like Adam and Eve, that brought clarity. They says, oh, we are naked and we hid from you. The same thing when God asked the question, where are you? It is the same. It's the Holy Spirit that is speaking, brings the clarity of I am lost. I'm not a part of God's family. Like I, I want you to think back when you were saved within a moment of clarity, you knew I am not where I should be. Within a moment, you knew I need a savior. You knew I am lost. What was that? That was, that was the voice of, of God through the Holy Spirit resonating with you saying, I'm trying to sew fig leaves together over my life to cover up all my pain and my nakedness and my brokenness. Within a moment, even though you got your clothes on, you realize I am empty and naked and I need a savior. That's what is happening on the earth. And the question for us is how are we gonna respond knowing that's the case? And so the mission of God has been revealed actually from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. He's a seeking God. He's always looking. He's always on the mission to bring his lost kids home. We have a missional God. And that's why what we do at church, we don't just come together 
so we can sit down and warm a couple chairs and clap and feel good and give a little money and, and be like, don't ask, this is really great, warm, fuzzy feeling. We, the mission of God is not complete yet. It's easy to sit here in America and think, oh, I think, man, God, we've done a lot of stuff. But the mission isn't done. And we have to be careful to realize that we're just over halfway there of reaching the whole world. What are we going to do as a family about it in response to God's heart for the lost? So as, as Jesus, as the leader of our church, he shed his blood for you. He brought us together as a local family. He set leaders in our lives to, to walk out the journey and be discipled by and equipped to the word of God and experience God's presence together. But if Jesus is the leader of our church, it would make sense that the mission of who we are as a church would resonate with the mission of Jesus. And mm -hmm. Jesus said in Luke 19:10, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. lost. That which is lost from the family. Now remember, remember, lost means you belonged in a place and you were not in that place anymore. You are, you are lost. So how do you find your way if you're lost? You can't. You need someone to come and guide you. You need someone to come and say, hey, over here, that is the family of God. That is the mission of God. And so these words of the seek and save the lost of Jesus include every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So it includes where we are. It includes all of the lost in your neighborhood. It includes all of the lost in our city, in our nation. And so so when you think of it, you think, oh, it's just, it's all, I can't do anything about that. That's not true. God has called us to respond to him as our leader, that we would take on the responsibility of him as our leader, as Jesus. And so the question then is this, who is supposed to help restore those lost safely back into his family? And so this is the real question. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, it's all of our job, okay? That's not the answer yet, so don't write that down anywhere. But here's the reality is the church isn't just the Western church. The body of Christ extends into every nation on the planet. We as faith need to engage in our response to God's invitation. God is inviting us to take part, <coughs> and it's not a small part. And we need to recognize that we're not just Western church people going to go take Jesus and save the world. We're going to go out and partner with our brothers and sisters, calling them up into their God-given destiny and call in Christ. We are seeing phenomenal things happen in the nations today. And a huge part of it is spurred because of the obedience of people like you. Yeah. I just was at a conference last week, and I got to hear of a testimony that's two weeks old. You guys want to hear it? Out of Turkey, you remember it's the least evangelized nation on the earth, right? There's a lady there who's been serving there with her family. They felt like God called them out of corporate America to go to Turkey. And they were like, what? The husband eventually dies of cancer. They, the woman and her two kids stay in Turkey. They hadn't seen a single person come to Christ in 15 years. They've seen miracle healings. They've seen all this crazy stuff. No one gave their life to Jesus. The guy dies, still no one comes to Jesus. The village is, is weeping. They're so engaged with this family's journey. They're heartbroken. Still no one comes to Christ. 
All of a sudden, though, two years later, one. Another year later, a guy who was a contractor, another one. Just two weeks ago, Turkey went on lockdown. So this would have been four weeks ago, a two-week lockdown. And you know what happened? God started revealing himself through dreams to these people who are in like the college age ministry, kind of like our collective crew over here. 28 people gave their lives to Jesus in a two-week period because they started asking these local missionaries who were, who, were, who were there and saying, we are not going anywhere. So when God revealed himself, there was an obedient missionary there to answer the questions and lead them to Christ and say, this is who you met in your dream. And you know what's nuts? Right after the lockdown ended, all 28 of those new believers went down to the ocean right in front of all the cafes, in front of everybody, and got baptized right then and there. Come on, that's awesome. God's doing crazy stuff, but it takes our local church friends there. It takes the missionary going. It takes the person supporting. Yeah. It's yeah. all of our responsibility because we're in this family, and there are people who still are not. Yeah, Can I tell one more cool yeah, story? Yeah, do it, do it. Guys, we've been partnering with Joshua Nations in Niger. You guys know where that is? It's in Africa. During COVID, there was an opportunity to feed an entire village that had been eating dirt because they had no food. Two weeks they fed these people. Shortly after that, some started to come to Christ. Now the entire village is following Jesus. Simply because we had some missionaries there, we empowered some locals, and they were able to go and make a difference and show the heart of the Father and then introduce people to the Father. Isn't that amazing? I love it. I love it. It's so great. So great. Yeah, and and a distinction there is the purpose why why we were, the Joshua Nations, our partnership with us, was was able to go in and give food and serve them was for the purpose to open up a door to share the gospel. And so there, there is, it's so important that we understand mission. Think about it. Just think about it for a second. What is, what is God's greatest desire is that his family that is lost would come back safely into his care, okay? So everything we do must be for the purpose of why God did everything that he did for us, which he sent his son so that we could be saved. So everything we do is, is for the purpose of reaching the lost, bringing those back into the family. It is, and so the question is, whose responsibility? Well, it is the church's responsibility. I think plus over time, the, the, uh, the importance of local church has kind of been, it's just been watered down. It's like, no, no, I'm not, you know, I've watched YouTube videos. I've got a pastor. That's it. Well, here's the question. Does, does, here's always the question of people who are like in three different churches all the time. Who is your pastor? When, when, when your life kind of makes a shift, who is your community? Well, I really don't have any. You're right. Because God called us to be a part of a family. We should know each other. That's why we value small groups. We should know, you should know your pastor. You should know the heart of what God's called you to be. There's protection under that. But in that, you're able to partner together to do things and to reap a, a reward like, like reaching a village in Niger. Niger. I was going to say Niger, but it's Niger. 
Um, and, and so we need to understand that that's the power of it, that God used us to be able to do that. And now those husbands have, in that, in that oppressive society, began loving their wives. And their wives are like, what in the world's going on? Who is this man in my home? And he's like, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so now families are serving Jesus. And now the men who were oppressive and abusive are now serving and being, and being Christ to their wives. Why? Because the Bible says, and now they're followers of Jesus. This is how you transform society. Is through the gospel. It's not through the social justice movement. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ changing the hearts of men and women on the earth. It's the only way it'll happen. The That's only right. way. And not only this, it's the local church. It's the local church across the world that is anointed for this purpose. We are anointed for this purpose. Yeah, and here's the good. thing, friends. Like if you, if you think about it this way, God will empower you and anoint you when you get in line with his will. Why would God anoint you to do your own will? Why? (laughs) No, he says there's something better. We oftentimes confuse the temporal for the eternal. We make the, it's not that the temporal is not important. It is. How I love my family matters. Paying my bills matters because it's a witness about who Jesus is in my life. But it's not the ultimate thing. And we idolize the temporal, and we exchange it as more important than eternity. Guys, John Wesley, is either Charles or John, I forget. He was on a ship with a bunch of Moravians coming across the ocean one time. You know this quote? No, I just know John. Johnny Boy, we'll call him that. Johnny Boy, yeah, I'll call him Johnny Boy, it's fine. He was coming across, and he was totally freaked out because the ship was going to capsize, and they are all going to die. But the Moravians who had this spirit-filled belief in Christ were just cool as cucumbers. And he's like, how can these people do this? And he wrote this later in his journal. He said, I witnessed people who were living on the brink of eternity. (laughs) They understood where they were. They knew they were in the hand of God. They knew that they were in his will. They knew that they were anointed for that purpose of going. The Moravians were a powerful missions movement, by the way. They were going to take Jesus, go out and represent the Father. So they were just like, it's in your hands, Jesus. And that's what I love is that's what, when we get in line with the purposes and the heart of God, we will find greater anointing to do what, to partner with what he is doing in the earth. So this idea that we are called to restore God's family back into God's family back into his family safely comes from the directives of Jesus. He died and rose again. He says in Matthew 28, he says, "Um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go. Everybody say go. Go. So therefore go. I had a friend of mine who uh, he said, he's the question for believers is not if I should go. The question really is, is if I should stay. That's the real question. Because Jesus already said, go. So should I stay? And that's really the heart of it. John 20 says, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending who? What does it say? You. Mm -hmm. And so we know that God's called us through his word to to minister into our Jerusalem and our Judea Judea and our Samaria. He's he's filled us with his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, which I'm, I'm going to be sharing about next week, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, but for us today, we need to understand that the call of the church is here, there, 
and everywhere. It's here, there, and everywhere. It is here, yes, because we're here. It's there because we're not there. And it's everywhere because the need that God's called us to be part of. And, that, that, and so for us, is how, do, how does that move in our life? What does that mean for us? Well, I think for us, we need to understand that God has called us to, to identify those within our body, within this congregation, that God's calling to go, calling to plant a church, calling us or somebody to go to the unreached, to those who haven't heard. And that we as a church get behind them, champion them, pray for them, give resources to them, send teams to them, help support them. Why? Because they're part of our family. Just like if you had a child who was, who was off in some country reaching people, you would be connected with them. You'd do your best to serve them. We need to be that as a church. And so often we farmed that out to somebody else to a parachurch somewhere else that was never the design of the local church, ever. The design was, is for Johnny sitting next to you is to always ask the question to Johnny, hey son, have you thought about the call of God to the nations? Have you thought about the call of God to bring the family members that are lost back into it at your school? Hey Johnny, hey Susie who's in our children's ministry, hey have you ever thought that God wanted to use you to minister the gospel to those that no one else will go to? That's what the local church was to be a part of and to do and then to be like, hey listen, we're behind you, we're with you, we're praying for you. Like, Listen, there's no greater prayer than that of a praying mama, right? Same way with a church. When one of us goes out to the nations, we feel that we have a responsibility. That's right. And that's part of the call is that we are called to be a part of bringing people back into the family of God, identifying and knowing that, that this, the, the, uh, the language of God through the Holy Spirit is reverberating around the world. And the question is, where are you? It's resonating in their hearts. So just like Adam and Eve were sewing together fig leaves to try to cover their nakedness, the nations are doing the same. The people in our neighborhood are doing the same. They're trying to cover their sin with the busyness of their job, trying to cover their sin with the, with the satisfaction of their flesh, with power, prestige, and money, or addiction, or false religions. that are. You're trying to cover your nakedness because you know there's a hole missing. That's right. And it's being clarified because God is saying, where are you? And they know I'm trying to fill it with something. I'll never forget I was in Japan. Cheryl and I were in Japan probably two years ago um, with, uh, with a couple of our elders, um, Heath and Rebecca Carty as well. We were there and we went to the largest Buddhist temple um, right outside of Osaka and there's thousands of people. But when a person comes to pray to the ancestral spirits and when they come to this place to pray, they, they clap. Why they make they, a noise. Why do they do that? Well, that what they're doing is, in their minds, they're trying to get their attention so that, so that they will answer their prayer. Meaning, they're desperate for God to hear them. They know, they just, they don't know that actually they've already got God's full attention. He already sent a son for them. They just haven't heard yet. This was in a nation of Japan that's less than 1% Christian. So they, they, something was resonating. They know they're trying to cover themselves with something, ancestral worship, and they're trying to get God's attention. He's already given the attention to them. We just haven't gone and told them yet. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. 
Absolutely. And here's the thing. We've said it. God is a missional God. The Bible is a missional Bible. It's the whole story. It's all about God looking for his people to bring them back into his family. And here's the thing. There are going to be some of you that God is calling to be a missionary and go across a culture, go somewhere specially equipped and trained to go and help equip the local body there to do the work of ministry, to maybe even tell people about the name of Jesus for the very first time. There are others of you who are going to gauge in the missional activity by giving and by praying and by encouraging those who go. The question is, will you be obedient? So not everyone's called to go to China. Right, right. What if you're called to go to Aurora? Well, going to China is actually disobedience, even though it's a good thing. So my heart for our church family is that this church, we so beat with the heart of God for the nations, for the lost, that we're just like, send me, God. I'm available. And really that's what it's about is that you will be radically obedient. Maybe God's going to ask you to give something away that you're like, wow, I don't know if I can do that. But you know the Lord's speaking to you about that. Maybe he's going to ask you to go. Maybe he's going to ask you to reach out to someone. Maybe he's going to ask you to stop what you're doing during your day. God forbid. I think it's so important for us to understand, like in, in Acts 16, <clears throat> Paul had a, had a, had a vision, mm-hmm. and it's uh, what we would call the Macedonia call. It says, as at, at verse 10 says, after Paul had seen the vision, and, and this was the vision, uh, a man was standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, okay? So he said, help us, come and help us. After, after Paul had seen the vision, Luke writes, we, we, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Now listen, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. How do they know it was the gospel? How come they didn't, well, hey, let's, let's take food there. We got to go and make sure that bring clothes there. No, because their greatest need was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand everything we do is about the gospel. There's a, there's a misquote from, uh, from a famous, uh, who, who is it? Francis of Assisi. Yes. It's, it's attributed act, to him all It's the attributed time. to him. It's a false quote, but we've heard it. We said, it says this, preach the gospel constantly, and if necessary, use words. That sounds so, so like, wow, that's awesome, right? The reality is, that's not, it's a false statement. Well, what makes you different than, if you're just going to be nice to people, right. what makes you different than a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon. Yeah, and well, it's it basically it's like saying this, feed the hungry constantly, and if necessary, use food. Right. <laughs> it makes, so the true. gospel is the message of Christ. That's right. That he came to save you, to bring you into his family. And so this is the nations and of it, the world. And really, that really prods this question. Do you believe that the gospel is the solution or mm. not? If we do, it comes to the forefront. If we don't, it gets hidden away over here. Do we believe that the gospel is the solution for everything that ails our world today? Hmm. So So who is then, as we already know the answer, supposed to help restore God's family safely back to his family? And it's the answer is those who are part of God's family are the ones who are to help restore those lost back into his family. It's the purpose of the church. It's the purpose of the church. It's, it's knowing that the question to the nations from God is, where are you? Where are you? And that's so important for us to understand that really the call of the individual, the call of God to the nations, mm-hmm. 
Just speak to that just for a moment. Yeah. yeah. I think if you guys can take one thing away, it would be this, that God's voice is, is speaking and asking the question, where are you? The nations are asking, can someone come and help us? And the voice of the Christian, the heart of the Christian is saying, here I am, send me, send me. What does that mean? It just means when you wake up in the morning and you recognize that you were alive and given the gift of another day, that you set your feet on the ground and you say, Lord, use me however you want to use me today. Who do you have for me to talk to? Who do you have for me to pray for? Who do you have for me to encourage or speak the name of Jesus to? Where do you want me to go and what do you want me to do? And we then live out our lives out of that place of radical obedience. God's voice, man, he is continuing to look and call for those who are not at the table yet, those who are not yet in his family. Yeah. And those who are outside the family are looking for him. Yeah, amen, amen. And we get to say, you can use me. Yeah. Just giving God permission. Yeah. And that's, that's our heart is yeah. that you'd catch God's heart. Amen. That's the question really for us as a church. <clears throat> Instead of, hey God, will you, uh, will you bless what we're doing? Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's a radical question. It's radical because you feel vulnerable, you feel out of control. The radical question is, hey God, what are you doing? And then how can we be a part of it? How do you want us to be a part of it? What is on your heart? Mm -hmm. And then how can we, how can we help you bring those lost that are a part of your family back in? It's actually, it's really that simple. So today, I think if we could walk away knowing that everyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ is lost, that God has brought us into the family through his grace, but when he brought us in, he called us to be a part of the family business. That when we, 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 we haven't sat down at the table yet for the marriage supper of the lamb because we're still out finding those who are supposed to sit there with us. That's right. There are still nations that don't have a, a church. And God is calling people of God to carry out the mission of God which is to find the family and bring them back in that's our job and so this is what God's called us as a church to do and so one of the ways we do that is through we ask you to pray and consider about giving financially to our our missions program which is about reaching these 42%. It's about strengthening our current missionaries while continuing to reach the other 42%. It's a shift for us, but it's important we understand that the spiritual geography is changing. We can't do things the way we've always done things. We can't. We wanna be in the middle of what God's doing, and this is what we believe that God is doing. And so I would encourage you today, not out of guilt or or shame or anything like that just to ask the Holy Spirit how he would want you to respond to give to the missions program 
so that we as a church family can celebrate together what God uses us to do, so that we as a church family can celebrate one of our own going to an unreached group. One of our students, one of our young adults, one of our people here in our congregation that make the decision, hey, uh, God, can you use me? I, I want to close with this because I feel prompted. I, I heard a story of uh, John Piper. He was giving a message in early 2000, and he talked about ruining your life for Jesus. And it's this famous sermon that he gave, and he talked about this couple who, who the dream was retire early, move to Florida, and every day they would live their life, and they would walk the beaches and they would collect seashells. And they got the, their 40-foot boat that they always wanted and they got the home they always wanted and every day they would collect seashells. And he said, the problem is, and this is not meant to guilt anybody, just I want you to hear the heart of it. He says, you can do that, but when you stand before God, do you want to give them seashells? Or do you want to ruin your life for Jesus? The choice is ours. How we respond will determine what we can give him. Because this is temporary. Our life is eternal. Let's pray. Father, I ask you today that you would lead us and guide us. Lord, that we would partner with you in what you're doing in our neighborhoods, in our church, and around the world. God, today, including myself and Pastor Mark, God, lead us in how you want us to contribute to the missions program here at Faith so that we can budget and set things aside to fan the flame of our young people to the nations, fan the flame of evangelism to our community, to support our missionaries, and to celebrate with the angels every time one soul comes back into your family. God, lead us and guide us into this new spiritual geography in the future. God, I ask you, that you would ruin us for your purposes. Ruin us for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you can, let's all stand to our feet. And, but you know, I'm honored that we get to go on this journey together and I'm grateful for what God's called us to do. And we're continuing to pray and seek God together. And Pastor Mark and myself and our rest of our team are really seeking God, what he wants us to do. And so I would just ask you that you would also do the same for you in your life. And what God is calling all of us to do as we live our lives on mission with the understanding of the mission of God is to be demonstrated through us. And that is to reach those around us. If you can, I'd be honored to pray for you today. If you could just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people.
your precious people that you rescued and brought into your family and you united us together as a church, as a church family. You've set pastors in place and elders and leaders to carry out your purpose, not ours, not someone else's, but yours. And today, God, I ask you that you would lead each one of us individually towards the direction you called us to go. God, today, that you would show each one of us what you want us to do as we contribute to what you want to do through this church to reaching the unreached. God, turn the fires up on our church to consume us so that we would be pure and holy and that we would be anointed by you and be given the nations as our inheritance. God, I ask you that you would raise up those here who feel called to give, called to go, called to pray. God, may we take this seriously as we are about our Father's business, which is to seek and to save the lost. Now, Lord, I pray today that you would bless our people, you'd strengthen them, you'd encourage them, that they would receive counsel from your word, that would be equipped by the leaders of this church to do what you called them to do locally in their families and their workplaces and around the world. God, we say yes to you. Here we are, send us wherever you want. If that's here, then it's here. If it's there, then it's there. If it's everywhere, then it's everywhere. We just want to respond out of obedience. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God.